Morning, great to see you guys. Uh, good uh, crowd at this service, and uh, just uh, so you know, first service was a similar kind of crowd. I think pretty much most of you uh, have been coming to what used to be our first service, so you know it was like uh, standing room only. So it's nice to look around now for you to see. Look, there's some room for you to continue to bring your friends like you've been doing, and I want to encourage you to continue to do that. Um, I, I, how many of you are, are fans of the TV show Mythbusters? Anybody? Yeah, a few of you like first service. Yeah. So um, I don't know if the show's back on now, but I was reading this week that in uh, December they actually got in a little trouble. They went off the air for a little while because they were, uh, I don't know if they were actually taping a show or just doing an experiment for a show, but they were, they were going to shoot a cannonball on a uh, bomb uh, dismissal range and uh, disposal range, and uh, they were going to shoot this cannonball into some big uh, water barrels. Uh, but somebody, when they got ready to shoot the cannonball, terribly miscalculated so they fired the cannonball and went over the water barrels, over a brick wall that was several hundred feet behind it, down a large hill, and through this house. I think we've got a picture of that, yeah. And landed on their minivan. Yeah, the show was in a little bit of trouble, and some investigation going on about all of that. Uh, a lot of damage done by a stray cannonball. But let me tell you this morning, our stray words have tremendous power to ruin communities and to ruin lives. And like a cannonball, it is crazy the kind of damage they can do because we're tempted to think, well, they're just words. How much damage could they do? Uh, James, uh, in chapter 3 of his book, addresses the power of the tongue. And uh, as we're continuing to study through the book of James in this series, Live Stronger, I want to focus in on what he teaches us there about the power of our tongue. So I hope uh, you brought your Bibles or if you're... uh, Following along with uh, the YouVersion Live event, you can just scroll down there uh, to James chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 3 and to look at a few verses here, and then we'll talk about them. James chapter 3, verse 3. Here's what, he, here's what he writes. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So I, I brought along, I borrowed a um, small bit for a horse. don't have the reins, but uh, this is the bit. It goes in the horse's mouth. And if the reins are on here, you grab those reins, and uh, I've been told uh, that you can uh, control the direction of the horse. And that doesn't seem to work when I've ridden a horse, but uh, I think that was rider error, not... uh. Then he goes on to say this in verse 5, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, it was a little impossible to bring in a ship's rudder today, but I did bring a picture and, uh, I mean, you picture a, a cruise ship, you know, one of those massive cruise ships, and you think about the size of that boat, and relatively small to that is this rudder that controls the direction that the boat moves in. Then James writes this, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, did you know that um, the average person has over 30 conversations a day? And if you were to take all of our words in a year's time and record them, it would fill 66 books at 800 pages a book. Now, that's just a year. That's a lot of words. 
and it's a lot of opportunities to make some mistakes with our words. Our words are also uh, very powerful. Um, I thought about doing this for real this morning. I, I thought about, just in the middle of our time together here, getting up with a very serious tone and saying, fire. There's a fire in the building. Thought against it, but... Uh, I mean, what, what does that do to you immediately? Or, or how, about, uh, how about this word? What, what emotions does this stir in you now? Huge. <laughs> or how about these words? I do. Or it's a boy. Or how about these words? Tax day. Yeah, see, our, our words have incredible power to move our emotions, our hearts, and our minds. There are a lot of words, and they are powerful. And this is also true about our words. We shape our words, and our words shape us. You see, you, you, can't, you can't just say and ignore the significance of our words. And I think that's why we have to take very seriously what James teaches here about the power of the tongue and about the power of the words that our tongue creates. So several truths that I notice here. here, here here's one. My words are my responsibility. My words are my responsibility. What's the old saying? Uh, you, you don't put words in my mouth, or you, uh, you took those words right out of my mouth. I mean, you know what? Those are stupid sayings. They are. Because nobody can put words in your mouth, and nobody can take words out of your mouth. We shape our own words. My words are my responsibility. James uh, uses those two metaphors in verses 3 and 4, the horse's bid and the ship's rudder. Think again about the the horse's bid. It it is a small piece of metal that goes in that horse's mouth. But if that piece of metal isn't attached to the reins, and if nobody takes hold of those reins and controls the reins, the bit in the horse's mouth doesn't do any good. Or consider a ship's rudder. It's relatively small but it does control the direction of that boat. But unless somebody controls the rudder, the ship just floats aimlessly across the sea. Likewise, we have to be in control of our words. Do you remember the whole thing just a few weeks ago? It's still in the news. The shipwreck, the the Costa Concordia, and uh, the captain who was one of the first ones off the boat. And uh, I, I read this week that the port authority was on the radio literally begging him pleading with him, commanding him to get back on the ship because he's supposed to stay till the end. Now that captain is going to be in court because that captain is responsible for where that ship does or does not go. He is the one who is supposed to be in control of it. And God is going to hold us responsible for the words that come out of our mouths because my words are my responsibility. If you don't don't think God takes our words seriously, I want to remind you of something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says these words. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. I think that's, God takes it very seriously. And I think that's why we have to come to the realization that my words are my responsibility. I, I want to show you an old illustration. Maybe you've seen this done before. It's kind of fun. Don't worry, it's only 95 cents worth of toothpaste. <laughs> Cheapest one you can get. Isn't that great? Yeah. 
pretty much it. Hey, Abby, could you do me a favor now? Could you put that all back in there? Not really. You can't, can you? I mean, I suppose there's some way, but you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube once you've put it all out, can you? And once my words are out of my mouth, I can't get them back. I, I can't go out there and catch them in midair and say, no, get back here. They're gone. And uh, I'll set this to the side now somewhere where Rick won't dance into it. It does smell good. Listen, God takes our words very seriously. My words are my responsibility. We shape our words, and our words shape us. Here's another truth that I think is relevant to our tongues. My words have awesome impact on others. My words have awesome impact on others. They have a tremendous ability to build other people up, and they have a tremendous ability to pierce deeply into people's hearts and hurt them. How many of you remember uh, Karen Carpenter? It's a little bit of a risk to ask this. Well, not nearly as many of you as in first service. Oh, thank you for admitting. Okay, I appreciate that. Those of you who don't know, go home and Google it. Um, Now, she was a singer a number of years ago, very popular. But she died at age 32 of anorexia. CBS did a story on her life and traced back where she began to battle with anorexia. And they traced it back to seemingly innocent maybe comments that a reporter or media person had made about her when he called her Richard's chubby little sister. And those words hung in her heart and her life for the rest of her life. And from that moment on, she battled anorexia. Those words, though seemingly innocent, I'm sure, for that reporter, had the power to literally destroy her life. Our words are incredibly powerful. Remember again what James writes beginning in verse 5. He says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Our tongue has the power to destroy people. It does. Now, you know what? Living in in, uh, southern Florida, we all understand what can happen with a brush fire, don't we? I mean, uh, uh, one small spark, uh, uh, a cigarette carelessly tossed out of a window, and the fire is ignited, and before you can hardly blink, hundreds of acres can be destroyed from that small spark. And I think James is saying here that that innocent comment, that careless word, it's seemingly small, it seems insignificant at the moment, but it can have the power like a spark to spread and to destroy and to wreak destruction. Now, on the other hand, our words have an incredible ability to be a positive influence in the lives of people. Uh, Friday morning, I was uh, out of town. I'd been in a meeting Thursday night, and so I was doing some work in a hotel room and uh, got, a, got a phone call from an old friend. Haven't talked to him for several months. And he called just to encourage me. He, he called to tell me about somebody he had run into who's part of the Crosspoint family here, and uh, this person's been going through a rough time. And, and they were telling my friend how people of Crosspoint have come around them and ministered to them and encouraged them and just going on and on about it. And, and he called to tell me that. And that was so encouraging to me. 
And by the way, way to go. Way to, way to be that kind of church. And, and then he, he went on to, we, we started talking about our kids and kind of catching up on what our kids are doing. Both of them have two sons and, uh, you know, he's talking about his, I told him about mine. He said, you know, by the way, I just want to tell you, you have such great boys and uh, you've been such a great dad. And I thought, you don't know the whole story, but uh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, you know what, I, I hung up the phone, I felt like a million dollars. Because he had encouraged two things in my life that are really important to me. I mean, I've always wanted to be the very best dad I could possibly be. And uh, I've always wanted to lead the church really well. And uh, so I, I walked away from that just feeling like, man, I feel so good. Because he took time to share a few words of positive with me. Here's the thing. We make a choice every day. How we'll use our words. And I hope that we would use them like Proverbs chapter 16 describes when it says this. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And every day you choose whether you're going to use your words in a way that they reap destruction like poison or a fire that spreads or whether you're going to use your words in a way that are sweet to the soul of people around you. Here's another truth. My words reflect my heart. My words reflect my heart. James says it this way in verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? In other words, can they both come from the same root of something? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt, a salt spring produce fresh water. Here's what I, here's what I think James is, is trying to say. Here, here's a picture of what he's talking about. We come together on the weekend like this, and we sing our praises to God, and we tell God you're so good, and he is, and we love you, and you're amazing. And then some of you, I'm sure only one or two would ever do this, you're going to walk out that door, and you're going to get in your car, and later in traffic, somebody's going to cut you off, and you're going to scream, you bleepity bleep. And James says, man, that, that should not be. And you know what? Using curse words is not the only way we curse other people. You know, we, we curse other people when we say, you know what, well, you're good for nothing. I mean, you're You're worthless. And you know what we're doing when we say things like that? We're talking about someone who was made in the very likeness of God. And James says, that should not, that should not be. And you know why that disturbs him? Because he recognizes and what he teaches here is that that all flows right out of our hearts. He says out of our hearts and then out of our lips that those two things shouldn't coexist. We shape our words, and then our words shape us. And our words are a reflection of what's really in our hearts. Now, i got to tell you, I'm going to be really honest with you. I have wrestled with this all week. In my own mind, trying to justify some of the things that come out of my mouth. You know, and, I, and I've thought about it all week, and I've tried to justify it and say, well, you know what, some of that stuff it just comes out when I'm angry. Or I thought, you know, well, you know, that's sports and that doesn't count. Right? 
Or I've tried to justify it by saying, oh, you know, it just slips out. I don't really mean for those things to come out when they get said. They just slip right out. Or I've tried to justify it by saying, you know, that's not really my heart. I mean, that's not really what's in there. I mean, if you could really see into my heart, you'd know that that's not what's there. You know what the truth is? I can try to justify it all I want. But I cannot ignore the truth of God's word for my life or for yours. Do you ever go and look in the, in the mirror and what you see in the mirror, you, you have a little bit of denial about it, what's there? You know, things like maybe, I'm sure this doesn't happen to most of you yet, but you, you look in the mirror and you think, well, you know, it's not that much gray hair. Or you look in the mirror and you think, you know, those wrinkles that are coming, I don't think anybody will really notice those yet. Or, or you look in the mirror and you say, you know, that, that's it. It's, it's, it's not that big. I don't think anybody at school will really notice that today. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs 27 says. As a face is reflected in water, or in our day we would have wrote in a mirror, so the heart reflects the real person. See, our words are a reflection of what's in our hearts. And uh, you know what? James then talks about two sources of wisdom, about the condition of our heart. Listen to what he uh, writes beginning in verse 13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, Peacemakers who sow in peace will raise a harvest of righteousness. See, the bottom line to controlling our tongues is a heart issue. And James says there are two sources of wisdom, two sources of things that are going to influence your life. One of those sources is the stuff of this earth. Really, we could say the stuff of Satan. And it's what we see modeled so often in our culture around us. The other source of wisdom, the other influence in our lives is the stuff of God, the wisdom that comes from God. And whatever it is that directs your life, whatever it is that influences your heart, whatever it is, the the source of your wisdom, that's going to determine the condition of your heart. And so if you want to learn to, to control your tongue, then you've got to have a heart that is conditioned by the wisdom of God. You've got to have a heart that is influenced and directed by the stuff of God more than the stuff of the world we live in. That's the secret. So if if that's the case, let let me offer you some practical things then that we can do. Some stuff that you could start doing today that would help you change the condition of your heart so that the stuff that comes out of your mouth is a reflection of the heart that is influenced by the wisdom of God. So here's the first thing. You've got to decide you really want it. You got to decide that you really want to change. Because you know what? Until you get to the point where you take your words as seriously as God takes them, until you get to the point that you own the fact that my words are my responsibility, nothing's going to change. 
So the first thing that's got to happen is today, right now, you've got to decide. Do I really want to change the condition of my heart and the words that come out of my mouth? The second thing is you've got to ask God to help. You've got to ask God to help because I'm telling you, you're not going to do it on your own. You're going to have to have God's help. And you need to bow your heads at some point today, maybe before you even leave this room. You, maybe, you need to get down on your knees. And you need to say, God, you know what? I don't like what my words reflect about my heart. God, would you, would you help me to change? Would you give me the power in the days to come to really work at this? And through the power of your spirit, would you begin to change the condition of my heart? The next thing I'd say you need to do is you need to examine your influences. What are the things around you in life that are influencing you? What, what people, what things, what media, what stuff is influencing your life? And some of those influences that are conditioning your heart with the wrong stuff, you need to get rid of them. You need to work to keep them at arm's length. You need to overcome their influence in your life somehow. Otherwise, if you don't change the condition of your heart, what comes out of your mouth isn't going to change. Next thing I'd say is you've got to spend time with God. If you want to know the wisdom of God, then you've got to spend some time hearing that wisdom. You've got to spend some time every day in God's book, the Bible, reading it and learning from His wisdom. You know, so often we talk about things that we want to change in our lives, and when we talk about here's some things you can do to change them, how often does it come around to the fact that we need to read this book, the Bible, and get what it says into our hearts and lives? And yet, some of you, honestly, if you're honest this morning, you continue to ignore that habit in your life. The condition of your heart's not likely to change until the, your heart becomes filled with the wisdom of God that comes from reading this book. Here's another thing. You've you got to think before you speak. You've got to think before you speak. And ask some questions like this. Is what I'm going to say true? Is what I'm going to say necessary? Is what I'm about to say going to build other people up or tear them down? Think before you speak. And, and closely aligned with that, I'd encourage you that you ought to use verse 17 here as a filter to run everything through in your life. In fact, I want us to read that, that verse out loud together again. Would you read this with me? But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. I'd encourage you, you need to memorize that verse. And use that as a filter before you speak. And think, is what I'm about to say, line up with that. Is it pure? Is it peace-loving? Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is it full of mercy? Before you say it. Here's another thing I would suggest. Look for opportunities to build others up. Every day. Make it your goal. I'm going to look for at least one opportunity today to use my words to build up other people. Because you know what will happen? If you use it every day, it will become a habit in your life. And your life will be marked more by being someone who builds other people up than tears them down. You see, we've got to remember, we shape our words, and then our words shape us. And our words are a reflection of our hearts. Uh, Ken Blanchard is a uh, leadership guru, and uh, he and a lady named Barbara Glanz were... Uh, doing uh, some uh, seminars, uh, customer service seminars with a grocery chain store uh, in the, I'm not sure where it was actually, and 
So they would bring together lots of their employees and they would do training about customer service. And one of the things they would teach in that seminar was uh, how to use your words to, to build others up and to encourage them. Well, in the audience one day was Johnny, a, a young man who was a bagger at a local grocery store. He was uh, suffering with Down syndrome. And he heard the words that were spoken and he thought, I, I want to do that. I, I want to be a better encourager. So he went home and talked to his dad. He was trying to figure out, how do I do that? So they came up with an idea. And every day, Johnny would go home after work and he would sit down with his dad and they would type out an encouraging phrase. Sometimes they'd copy it out of a quote book, sometimes something they would create. But they, they'd type it out and they'd make several copies of it. And Johnny would cut the cut them into slips and he would sign his name to them and he'd carry those slips with him the next day to work and as he bagged people's groceries the last bag for each person he'd take this slip of paper and he'd put it on top and he'd hand that bag to him and say i put something special in your bag i hope you'll read it i hope it will encourage you well ken blanchard got a call a couple months later from the store manager he said the strangest thing has started happening in our store he said i go out onto the floor when johnny's here and there'll be one or two people in some of the checkout lines, but the line where Johnny is bagging groceries, people will be lined all the way through the store back to the frozen food section. And he said, we'll go out on the floor and we'll try to tell those people, hey, you can go to other lines. There are other lines open, but they will all say, no, we, we want to be in Johnny's line. He said, one lady came to him and said, you know what? I, I used to come here maybe every couple of weeks to get a whole bunch of groceries, and then I wouldn't come back for a while. He said, but now, she said, I, I come every day. I've tried to buy just one thing because I want to get in Johnny's line. And I want to see what words of encouragement he has for me. You know, I guarantee you, Johnny was way down on the organizational chart of that company. But he was right near the top on the chart of influence. Your words have incredible power in people's lives. Your words have the power to point people to Jesus. The greatest thing that could ever happen. Let's be known as a people who have learned to control our tongues and are using our words to move people in a positive way.